0: Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to your Circle of Influence podcast. I'm your co host, Amy Walker. And I am Dr. Monica Ogando. And we are talking about teams today. How do you build a high performance team? And uh, one that you can afford at any place in your journey of being in business. Because one of the things that I see keeps small business owners stuck in the beginning is they're trying to do everything by themselves. and um, And then you hit another layer where like you got a bunch of people, but then they're all waiting for you to tell them exactly what to do. <laughs> Those are not the types of high performance teams that I want you to have. So we're going to have a conversation around this today.
0: Yeah. I love listening to your wisdom about this, Amy, because as we have shared in previous uh, episodes, I've deliberately made my business a one woman show. Um, But I always know that this team building piece and growing your team is an aspect of it because I still do that project-based, task-based, depending on the phases of my business, et cetera. So it's always a useful skill to always be sharpening.
1: All right. So should we just go through like masterclass style? Tell them what they need to know. (laughs) Absolutely. Go for it.
0: I'm sitting at the feet of the
1: master. All right. So when it comes to building your high performance team, the number one thing that I start with is your core values. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you're hiring and especially when you're newer to it, uh, you have a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. that you think other people understand things the way that you do and, and think mm-hmm. the way that you do. And then they come in and, like, you have a different definition of quality than they do, yep. or you have a different definition of integrity than they do. There's not one universal definition for any quality or value out there. So you have to really go in and lay them out and get clear on exactly what you stand for so that you're hiring people who are in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that will save you from having having the, the players on the team that drag everyone else down. So I am most likely to fire someone for not being a culture fit over them not being a skill fit,
0: mm-hmm. because if
1: they are not a skill fit, a lot of times we can, there's a reason we hired them, right? And there a lot of times we can move them into a role that's better suited for them or we can train them. But if they are not a culture fit and they're going to stir up trouble and disrupt my like beautifully cultivated, top performing team. Mm -hmm. I am not about that. I'm not, I I owe it to the ones who are great to not allow someone to be on the team that is subpar in how we interact with each other. That's number one. Okay. Number two, is that you actually need to go through and process, create process around everything that you're going to have them do so that when they come in, they know what to do and they know how to do it and they know how to generate results in it. Mm -hmm. This is one of the challenges of hiring someone to do something that you actually don't know how to do because Mm. you can't monitor if they're doing well. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to help them and adjust them when they're underperforming. So I'm not saying it's not possible, but I feel like if you, before they come on board, you will build out the processes and learn as you're running that process. Not that you have to be great at it, but you'll at least know. Like you'll at least get to this point where, you know, what's working and what's not working. And you can have a, a mentorship coaching type conversation with them mm-hmm. to be able to keep things on track.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's number two is I, I just think there's too many people who hire somebody and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> but I want you to come in here and figure it all out. Right. And
0: tell me As, what to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on someone, and why would they want that job? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, why would there's nothing good about that job? You just walked into a big hot mess, and and you have a lot of expectations. Yeah, and it's going to take you a while to be successful there. When there's other jobs where you could walk in and they would tell you, "Okay, here's what we want you to do," and Mm -hmm. and it's smooth sailing. Why would Mm -hmm. I? Why would I take the job where I have to hack my way through the jungle with a machete when I could just ride the bus through the (laughs) jungle? Right? Like. (laughs) I'm not taking that job. Mm -hmm. So that's number two. Number three is that your hiring process, I would strongly encourage that somewhere in the hiring process, you're not just doing interviews, but you're also doing skills assessments. Mm -hmm. So I have a friend who was like, Hey, do you have a video editor that, you know, we're looking for somebody? I don't right now. My video editor doesn't have the capacity, but Um, what I do have is my process. And so I walked him through how I hire it. And one part is I find my top three candidates that I like their portfolio and I liked them during the interview. And then I give them each a video to edit Mm -hmm. and I give them my style guide. Again, here's the process, like Mm -hmm. the style guide of what's the expectations written out. Mm. And then I let them edit it. I pay them each for the video they edited. I see who did the best job and they get the contract moving forward. Nice. So that's a big part is actually assessing the skill. If you're hiring a salesperson, they're really good at selling themselves, do some role plays with them, mm-hmm. you know, have mm-hmm. them run some calls for you, listen mm-hmm. to the calls, assess them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the position is, find a way to assess it so you can actually see that they can do what they say they can what do. They they're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like then that. you move into onboarding and ongoing training. So in onboarding, I don't I have not found it to be helpful to do all automated training or all in person training. It's mm. a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Because when it's all automated, they don't retain it very well. Um when it's all in person, they have nothing to go back to and refer to when they can't remember and they then they keep coming to you like how do I do this? What do I do oh. here? How how does this go? So when you do a little bit of both, where you do some live training and then they have the recordings of it that are spliced up and easy to search, they can go back and find those things, um, and it just gets them it gets them up and running faster than having them try to just go through and watch all the training on their own and then jump in. It, not mm-hmm. everybody learns that way. There's like one learning style that does well with that, and the rest do not. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is you you need to tra- treat your team like a team. So I see a lot of people hire, uh, especially because I hire a lot of my team are in the Philippines and uh-huh. overseas Yeah, and none of my team are local to me. They're the U.S. people are all spread out. Monica, you're the closest person to me and we're like <laughs> an hour and a half away, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but everybody else is spread out. And so a lot of times in this new virtual environment, people do not treat their team like they would treat a team if they work together in an office. Mm-hmm. You would not go. A week without talking to each other, right? So, you need to have a communication channel set up. You need to have weekly meetings. You need to have um, a quarterly review, an annual uh, planning session. Like, you, you've got to have the stuff that you would have if you were running a local on site team. They need that same level of communication. And this is where I think some people will be like, Oh, I loved the idea of the team until you said that. Like, I actually have to manage them. Yes. <laughs> you do. And if you don't want to, then you got to set up your business in a way that it will run, um, you know, it, that it can grow without you having that team. Mm-hmm. But you cannot expect people to support you when you are not clear on how you need to be supported. Right. It's just setting them, uh, them up yeah. for frustration.
0: Totally. Oh my gosh, that was totally
1: a masterclass. I know. I told you. Cool. I, have, I have given this explanation before. Are there any questions, anything that I should have covered that I didn't cover?
0: Well, so this is all great for actually having them um, be there, right? So but how do you grow them once they get there? How do you um, coach them when they're not performing well? Or how do you interrupt when something, somebody's doing something wrong? Because maybe you didn't explain things, but you didn't mm-hmm. know you didn't explain things or didn't train them well until yeah. they started doing the thing. You're like, oh, wait, hold on. That's not what I wanted
1: that happened today. One of my, <laughs> uh, one of my clients over the weekend texted me a screenshot of my newest appointment setter. And, uh, he had texted her the exact same message two in a row. And mm-hmm. she's like, uh, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it is. So on our call today, and, and I find that asking questions is a great way to start things off. So I said, guys, I, I had, uh, I recognized this week that we have some duplicate text messages that have been going out. How would you feel if I texted you the exact same message and I texted it like multiple times in a row? what What would be your impression? And they were like, like, I would feel like I'm talking to a robot." And I was like, exactly. So how are we going to do this differently? And so then we let them kind of bring some information to the table and then I share with them the way that I do it. Um, and I don't share with them the way I do it is in that's the only way, but it's like we go over the principle. And then I get their ideas and then I tell them the way that I do it. And they can mix, they can take my experience, my wisdom, my knowledge, and then they can mix in there with, you know, their ideas as well. Mm-hmm. And we figure out what, what the thing is. So I think having clearly defined standards is really important. Um, I think having really open communication, uh, you set the tone when people first work with you that uh, we are going to give honest feedback and we're, you know, when we give feed, and I, I don't even ask people too. I'm like, so when you're receiving feedback, how do you want to receive it? And they'll, you know, tell me like, well, I'm good. Everyone always says they love feedback more than they do. Nobody really loves feedback that much. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they'll tell me things like, you know, if there's some positive mixed in there with the thing, with the other things, and it's like, great. So I can provide that for you because I know that's what you need. Some people are like, I don't want you to beat around the bush. Like I have a client who's like, I don't want you to beat around the bush. I want you to just tell me it, like rip off the bandaid and then tell me yeah. what to do. Right. I'm like, okay, great. I can do that. So mm-hmm. knowing how that person wants to receive feedback, I think is helpful. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is that we ignore things and say that it's fine. Like, eh, it's not that big yeah. of a deal. I can right. live with that. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. I can live with that until finally you wake up one day and you're like, I don't actually like my team. I don't actually like running them. Uh, They're all getting on my nerves. (laughs) Nobody is performing the way that I want them to. And they're not even doing the things that I wanted them to do. And because Mm -hmm. what happens is... we go through this thing where it's like they're falling short, but we don't want to take the time to dig into it. So we take back on our plate, the part where they're falling short and we do this enough. And pretty soon you're like, why do I even freaking have a team? I feel like I'm doing it all on my own. Mm -hmm. So that's, this is one thing I, I frequently remind myself and my clients of is that, um, address problems when they're small, because if you don't, they will grow. Every problem will grow with time unless it is addressed. And yeah. they're a lot easier to address than they're small.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And handle like just not just address them, but also fix them. Right. Because otherwise, yeah. what I have discovered is that when I let things go too long, it's like, you got to fix seven things. Yes. Not just two.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they were probably small when you first saw it, you know? Right. And a lot of times.
0: I've repented, Amy. You'll be happy to know. I've repented from letting things go too long before I address them. For that reason. Because like, I don't want to have to untangle too much.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I think a lot of the reasons why we don't is because we don't want to deal with the emotion around it. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. we sense that somebody is displeased or dissatisfied. And we're like, well, they'll get over it you know, so I don't want to have to deal with it. -hmm. Yeah. It's not a big deal. We'll, we'll work through it. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And then, but then you have the same problem coming back month after month after month. And it just kind of cycles through where you keep ending up at the same bad place, but it's always a little bit it's with, it's not just the emotion of this time. It's all the emotion of the other times as well. Um, instead of just jumping in and being like, okay, let's resolve this. Now, do I want my team to do all of that? Uh, on their own. Yeah. Like I I want my team to practice emotional management. I want them to use emotional cleanup tools. I want them to have high levels of emotional intelligence. I want them to resolve their concerns when they can. Mm -hmm. But the minute that I notice that that's not happening, it's so much easier to just get in and address it and use that as a teaching moment so that the next time it comes around, they are better equipped to be able to go through that than they were the first time.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I have discovered for myself with when I'm working with folks um, is it's kind of like how moms are with toddlers, you know, toddlers get into a bit of trouble and they just look at mom like, should I freak out? Let me see. Is she freaking out? Uh (laughs) If she's freaking out, then I'm going to lose it. And if she's okay, then okay, maybe maybe my bones aren't broken. (laughs) Maybe I'll survive, right? And so that has happened a lot for me, my experience is that when I show up, even even if I have a vent, even if I have a complaint, even if I have if I'm triggered by something or have a problem with the way somebody's doing something or need to do some correction or whatever, if I myself am in a place of this is this is a problem that needs a solution, not this is a, a person that needs fixing. When I approach it that way then that person and I can be on the same side of the table and we can attack that problem together versus making the person the problem. And then they get defensive and then they want to avoid. And, and, then, and then all of that emotional you know, management tools that you're talking about become even more relevant and sometimes even a coping mechanism. But when I am grounded and when I can address the thing and not just the person, then I can enroll the person in helping me fix the thing as opposed to making them the adversary. And I think that has also been very helpful in moving through things with, my, with the team.
1: Yeah. Yes. All right. There you have it, my friends. That is your guide to building a high performance team. Obviously there's probably some more situations that you have questions too. So feel free to reach out. I would be happy to chat this through with you. Um, I'm at Amy Walker coach on Instagram and Monica is at Monica Ogando. We love hearing from you. We love mm-hmm. your reviews We love when you recommend the show to someone else. So keep those comments coming in. Let us know how you are doing. And we will see you again next time. Thanks, everybody.